Hi, I'm Brennan Klein, and welcome to Scream 101 Podcast, where I force my friends to watch the crappy movies that I force myself to watch every day. Let me introduce myself to you. My name is Brennan Klein. I'm 20 years old. I've been watching dumbass horror slasher movies for the past, I don't even know how long, six or seven years of my life. Possibly every day, definitely every week. Um, I'm a horror news editor at Arrow in the Head at JoeBlow.com. I write my own blog, Popcorn Culture, at JiffyPopCulture.blogspot.com where I have a census bloodbath blog feature where I'm reviewing every single slasher movie that has been released in the 1980s. I'm about a quarter of the way through it, and I'm not dead yet, so I'm hoping it continues that way. Today's topic is the 1989 slasher film I, Madman, directed by Tabor Takis, and I'm not pronouncing that correctly, I'm sorry. I think it's Hungarian, I should look that up. And my co-host is Shannon Chalakian. Let me let her introduce herself. Hi there, I'm Brennan's best friend. That's pretty much all you need to know. I'm forced to watch horror movies with him, and I watch this one with him. But this time, we're going to have a little bit more structure, so let's uh, head right on into the discussion. For the record, there's going to be spoilers in this episode. We're going to really thoroughly discuss the movie as it deserves to be discussed. And for all f future episodes. Correct. Uh, we'll have a spoiler warning at the beginning of every episode. The plot of I, Madman, as read from the back of the superb Scream Factory Blu-ray release is as follows. Gothic nightmares collide with gritty realism in this stylish horror thriller that pulls you in and makes you pay attention. Los Angeles Times! After a spine-tingling paperback catches the imagination of bookstore clerk Virginia, she seeks out the author's second book, I, Madman. But once she opens the cover, its eerie tale of obsessive love comes to life catapulting a disfigured, scalpel-wielding killer from the world of fiction onto the streets of Hollywood with one demented goal, to win Virginia's love, one murder at a time. And the first thing I want to say about this film was that it definitely was not a scalpel that I, Madman, had. It was, it was a flat razor. It was like Sweeney Todd. Yeah, like Sweeney Todd razor. I mean, technically his character was a surgeon or a doctor, but he was, no, he was a failed doctor who turned into a poet, but he was very ugly. It's, it is a film from 1989, which is the year that the slasher died. So that's the kind of story subject that we're dealing with here. But I do have to say that it is one of the more cerebral slashers of the time, and I really did enjoy the film, but we're going to discuss the plot a little bit more before we get into that. Okay, so Virginia is played by Jenny Wright, who is in Near Dark, which is a vampire film, which I actually haven't seen yet, because I don't watch that many vampire films, and I should. But she is beautiful, although Shannon thinks she has a weird jaw. She does have a weird jaw. But I think she's luminous, and she has beautiful blonde hair. So, um, Virginia work works at a bookstore with her best friend Mona, who is awesome and has eyeshadow that's the color of a bruise, and it's fantastic. And she is dating a murder detective named Richard, who is awesome. Who looks like he's a cast member of Boy Meets World. And he's played by Clayton Roner from April Fool's Day, who is super cute, and he continues to be cute three years later, right now, and I'm Madman. So while passing, her passing the time before she gets her big break, Virginia is reading all these books. Makes sense, right? Works in a bookstore, reading books. And she finds this author that she really likes. She knows that the author's written two books, and she just finished the first book, which was about a werewolf creature boy. Um, and so she's looking for the second book, which is conveniently titled I, Madman. However, she can't find it, even though she lives in the bookstore that has all the books in the world, apparently. And it 
ends up on her doorstep. The book is about a madman who was really ugly and is in love with this actress. And so he's cut off all of his facial features. Basically, he comes out into the real world and he's collecting all of these beautiful facial features from Virginia's friends to try to win her heart and or cut it out and wear it around his neck like a crucifix. So that's where we are. And Virginia is trying to get Richard, her murder detective boyfriend, to believe her that this madman has come out into the real world while he's trying to solve the murders that she knows what's going on, but he doesn't believe her. So that's what's happening. Okay, so here at Scream 101, we have four rating systems out of five. We rate on scariness, on campiness, on gore, and on overall quality. So we're going to start on scariness. So out of five screams, I'm going to rate I Madman two out of five screams on scariness. What about you, Shannon? I agree. Um, I also gave it two, two out of five screams. Yeah, I agree. Basically, it has kind of a spooky atmosphere, but slasher films are rarely, if ever, s genuinely scary. It doesn't really have that quality. Like, it's a fun film to watch. It just isn't frightening at all. Yeah, there are some parts where it could be scary if you were actually in the situation yourself. Like, a lot of chasing, you know, the danger of the blade that he has, etc. But otherwise, not that scary. And as for campiness, I'm going to give it two out of five perms. And I'm going to give it three out of five perms, because it still has that 80s finesse. Yeah, I, uh, I agree that it does. Like I said about Mona's crazy eyeshadow, Mona's basically the best character in the entire film. I agree. She has these giant earrings and this weird, like, zebra cheetah print blouse, and this just crusty, permed, black helmet hair. But... Mostly the 80s are evaporating at this point out of the film as we transition into the 90s. Like, I've seen way, way worse. Like, 86 is probably the pinnacle of that. Sure. I don't, I can't speak for 86, but I can speak for um, probably the 80s in general. And as it is leaving the 80s, I think I just gave the extra star for nostalgia. All right. That's fair. And okay, for my gore rating, I gave it three out of five severed limbs. I did as well. I gave it three out of five seven severed libs. One of the points that I made with Brennan earlier was that it had more of like a passive gore vibe rather than an active gore vibe, where um, most of the really great parts of it were kind of the shots of them already dead, but you can see their face exposed, um, you can see good cuts, things like that. Whereas some of the blood effects while someone was being killed kind of looked like someone was squirting blood from a toothpaste tube off screen. Yeah, basically the corpses looked cool, his face looked cool, but there wasn't. it wasn't a gore fest, it wasn't a body count film. It was definitely more focused on the more cerebral, cerebral qualities of like, fiction is combining with reality, what is really happening here, is anyone going to believe me? And that was where they were trying to come from more than the 80s gore. And especially by 1989, the gore was starting to get toned down, the MPAA was really really clamping down on slasher films. I mean, they already were by 1981, so by the end of the decade, they were dead and dying. So the fact that they had the gore that they did was pretty remarkable, so three out of five. And overall quality for me, I gave it a four out of five unlucky stars. I gave it a three out of five unlucky stars. I just looked at my other scores, one two star and two three stars, and figured that's probably the median. That's fair. Like, I, I had the same. I actually had... Uh, two two stars and one three stars, but quality for me, 
I actually, I really enjoyed the set design. Mm -hmm. I loved the bookstore. Mm -hmm. I love bookstores in general. And there were a lot of really cool moments where when Virginia is reading the books, um, she kind of enters the world of the books and takes on the characteristics of the people in them. And so she'll like turn around and she'll have on the pearl necklace and the 50s blue dress of the character, or she'll be in like the gothic whatever. Actually, I, in my notes, I wrote down urban gothic. Like, because it's very uh, evocative. Like, it has a whole bunch of atmosphere. And it actually, it kind of reminds me of a, a noir film sometimes. Like, a lot of the... Uh, the lighting. Yeah, a lot of the lighting. Like, there's a, a lot of the interiors, they're shot from outside, like, with a lot of, like, police lights or a lot of neon lights. A lot of light coming in through the slats and the blinds. And it just really cool lighting, really cool effects. Um, there's a scene where one of her um, actress rivals is being murdered. And she's running down this really long, um, elongated apartment building. And all of her curtains are billowing. And it's just really beautiful. And it's not particularly scary, but I just really liked the imagery in the film. And I liked a lot of the uh, like what it evoked more than the film as a horror film or as a gore film. That's true. It was very cinematic, and it was very pretty, um, and it was very entertaining as well. But I still think it's the three out of five for me, uh, just because there could have been something else. Like, there could have been something really super special that could have stuck out, and I don't didn't think that the the movie had that. Yeah, I I respect that completely. Also, did you notice that it was secretly Christmas time in the background the whole time? Was it really? Yeah, there was tinsel around the bulletin board at the police station, and when she was flipping through the channels, there was like reindeer floating in front of the moon. <laughs> That's the most random. Ugh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what was going on there, but <laughs> that was happening. So, what was your favorite character? My favorite character actually wasn't a main character. My favorite character was Lyle the bellboy. <laughs> um, he was a bellhop from kind of one of those flashback into the book sort of scenes that we had um, where we saw Virginia as the main character of the book and this was not from I Madman it was from actually the other book but essentially it was Dr. Kessler the creepy Nosferatu looking doctor left and they thought that they heard an animal up in the room so that, so they tried to get Lyle the bellboy to go up and see and he was like nah I don't want to do that that's <laughs> scary he's scary I don't want to do that and so they sent the manager up there, and sure enough, the manager got killed. So way to go, Lyle. Yeah, he got eaten by a really creepy hyena jackal claymation crazy Frankenstein monster being. Thing. Yeah, I mean, the most accurate description I would have is like he looks like he looks like Dr. Uh, or, uh, Remus Lupin from um, Harry Potter 3 when he turns for the first time. He looks like that. Mm -hmm. it, that was actually the biggest surprise in the movie was that there was a claymation monster because yeah. I was not expecting that in my... I was expecting it to be a straightforward slasher film. It was not that. It right. was not. And they did a really good job with it, too, which was surprising. Yeah, I was... Yeah, it was fantastic. Also, um, my favorite character... Well, I have I have two that I want to talk about. First of all, I really liked Mona, which was Virginia's co-worker at the bookstore. Her fashion was outrageous. We already talked about that. But also, she was just so salty like so well she was so horny first of all mm -hmm. she was super into men but she was just so grumpy and sarcastic it was like she'd been soaked in vodka for <laughs> her entire life which is the 80s to be honest soaked in vodka uh-huh 
But she just, like, she spills coffee, or, well, Virginia spilled coffee on a first edition copy of a Hemingway book that just happened to be there, and Mona just, like, tosses it on the floor, (laughs) and I just love her so much. But also, my second favorite character is this, um, this guy that works or lives at this piano store across the street from Virginia's apartment that I just called Piano Guy, and he just plays the piano across the street at night while she's banging her hot boyfriend. And he gets killed for no reason by the madman, but... Oh, I... not, not for no reason. He takes his ears. Oh, yeah, he wants the musician's ears. But um, he was just really cool, and I appreciated him being around. And it was kind of like a cool, diegetic way of building the music in the film. And it was really pretty, and I appreciated him. Yeah, during the movie, I did notice, like, when they kept cutting to the window of her apartment and kept cutting to the to the music, I didn't know if it was because they wanted to like establish the diegetic non-diegetic music that sort of thing or if they're act he actually was part of the plot because generally with editing the more times you see something the higher the probability it actually is important and i was really i was really excited to see that that was actually built in that he ended up dying yeah good call um, next we're going to be moving on to a segment that i actually pulled from my senses bloodbath segment at my blog which is called champion dialogue which is one of my favorite things to do, which is to pick out my favorite bit of dialogue from a movie. And we actually both have different bits of dialogue, and Shannon will share hers with you first. So my favorite part was when Mona bestows some of her wisdom onto Virginia, and then a guy walks in. Oh, and he's not handsome. (laughs) And he's not handsome. He's not a handsome man. No. Well, maybe not, but the way I figure it, I'm more likely to run into a gorgeous guy in a bookstore than a smart guy in a single car. Hi, Mona. Well, then again, I could just kill myself. (laughs) That is beautiful dialogue. Champion dialogue, absolutely. See, I love Mona so much, she speaks her mind. She knows what's up. Anyway, um, yeah, the guy's just this enormous, like, schlub, and he's just the worst type of man, and you can just tell how much he's hating her life, and I love her so much. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, my champion dialogue comes from when Virginia and Richard are lying in bed together. Ooh. After she just started reading I, Mad Man, and right before anything super creepy starts to happen. It's right when she's explaining to him the plot of what's going on. And I've cut it down a little bit, so she explains the plot right in between. How much do you love me, Richard? Enough to cut off your ear. You know, you always get weird when you read that shit. But, um, if it'll make you feel any better, first thing after breakfast, I'll cut myself shaving. And I don't know, I just I just really like that line because I love weird non-sequitur stuff that is just really strange that other people won't understand when I talk about it. Yeah, you should set that as your ringtone. People will be really <laughs> confused. Yeah, that's perfect. I think I'll do that. Although my ringtone right now is the scary ringtone from One Missed Call. So when people call me, I can go, that's not my ringtone. (laughs) But it's the one from the Japanese movie, so I don't know if they'll get it. You would, you weirdo. I don't know, it's scarier. All right, now we'll be moving on to our next segment, which focuses exclusively on gore and death, called the Splatter Dome. Splatter. And now, would you please join us for a moment of silence for those who have departed us? The hotel manager was killed by the jackal thing. Colette, 
was scalped. The piano guy, poor, poor piano guy, had his ears cut off. Lenny's nose is cut off. Mona's supple lips were cut off. The jackal was guillotined by a window pane. The madman is launched out a window by half of the jackal and bursts into a million pages. Okay, first order of business in the Splatterdome is to discuss our favorite kill. Shannon, what is your favorite kill? Okay, technically my favorite kill wasn't actually a kill. I was really impressed by the way that they had the claymation jackal thing guillotined by a window pane, which was awesome. And I was really sad that the jackal thing had died, and then come to find out it was resurrected and ended up killing Madman at the end. So... Still my favorite kill, because I'm going to pretend that it's a kill. I think technically it was dying because of that, and it, in its last act it killed the madman, so I think it still counts. Sweet. So I think you're still fine. Like we were saying, it's not exactly a film that's about the deaths. Most of the deaths are off screen or in silhouette, so it's hard to really pick a favorite death, like in a regular slasher film. So I think my favorite death might be the very first one when the hotel manager is killed by the jackal thing it's not actually on screen at all but just the fact that you see the jackal thing and you're like holy crap what the hell is that what's going on and it's so shocking and its appearance is so strange and bizarre and you're not expecting it at all because you don't know that it's supposed to be a fictional character in a book that makes it so affecting and strange which is really an interesting point to place where we are like the two of us are more interested in the weird character that is actually not the title of the movie than we are the madman that is supposed to be the scariest and title character yeah i mean to be fair like let's give credit where credit is due the madman who is played by randall william cook has some fantastic makeup effects going on his uh, his mouth and his nose are both cut off, and they kind of combine together in this disgusting tooth, sinus, weird gore stuff. Um, it's usually covered by a scarf, but when he removes it, it looks disgusting, and it's really fantastic. And as he sews bits of people onto him, it looks really good. So those gore effects are really incredible, but other than that, there's not a lot of gru to speak of in the movie. Right, he almost looked more gruesome when he was all together, looking like that Nosferatu-looking person at the very beginning, which is not referencing the second book, I Madman, at all. So in the uh -huh. original book. Alright, and the second order of business in the Splatterdome is where we get to pick one character who died to resurrect, and one character who survived to murder and send to the underworld. Like, who, like, who is the best character that we want to see back, or who was the worst character that we wish hadn't survived the film. So Shannon, who do you hate that you wish hadn't pulled through? Brennan's gonna be really mad at me for this one, but I hated the main character. I thought she was boring, Whatever. I thought she looked boring, I thought her motives were kind of all over the place, she seemed like a psycho. I didn't care, she didn't make me want to care. If Mona was the main character, I would have cared. <laughs> Alright, which I think, as you can tell, would be who I would resurrect. Because Lyle never actually died, so I wouldn't even need to resurrect him. But Mona did, so Mona I would save. Okay. Well, okay. See, the thing about Virginia that I like, first of all, 
I think she's really, really pretty, especially in the beginning. Like, as it goes on and she becomes more harried and insane, not so much, but she's, like, really luminous in the beginning. But also, I kind of relate to her plight in the beginning, where she's kind of... She's terrified of this book that she's reading, but she keeps getting drawn back into it. And there's kind of a sexual element in there as well, which is not so much one that I get into, but I respect what she is going through. Um... I don't wish she was dead. I would rather kill... Well, there's not a lot of characters left alive at the end of this movie. True. I'd rather probably kill the lieutenant who's trying to stop her communicating with her boyfriend because that would just solve all the problems. There would be way less murders. I mean, there'd be less movie, too, so I guess maybe that's not the best decision. But for everyone's welfare, I'd probably kill the lieutenant. And I would also resurrect Mona because I think we need more of that fashion in our lives. We love Mona, obviously. Mona, please come back to us. We should get an interview with Mona. We should. Let's find her. Is she alive? I think so. All right. Next next time. <laughs> next time on Scream 101. <laughs> Exclusive interview with Mona. Just kidding. We'll see. All right, moving on from the Splatterdome, we're going to play some games. Because everybody loves games. First of all... Um, when I was trying to think of some games to play for this podcast, I was thinking Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, because I love that game, and it's so much fun, but then I realized, with horror movies, Kevin Bacon was in Friday the 13th, so it's actually kind of easy, because Clayton Roner was in I, Madman. He was in April Fool's Day with Amy Steele, who was in Friday the 13th Part 2 with Adrian King, who is in Friday the 13th with Kevin Bacon. Done. So I thought of a new game. So this game... Is called the divination game so basically i am going to challenge shannon because she doesn't know i mean not to insult your intelligence because you're a very smart and intelligent person <laughs> but you don't know very much about the people who have made these films which honestly isn't insulting because who would like why you would i do but that's that really insults my sanity really so basically the point of this game is i'm going to tell you three of the future careers of actors in this movie and you are going to guess which ones they are you just just say the character name don't say the actor because you don't have to you don't know the actor's names necessarily that's true i don't all right so are you ready yes okay this actor went on to star as detective hollingsworth in the relic and is currently starring in the human centipede 3 the final sequence oh ugh. gross um i'm i'm gonna say um Richard. Congratulations, you get a point. Nice. Typecasted as a detective. I know. Okay, this actor or actress starred in 77 episodes of Unhappily Ever After, which is a parody of Married with Children that has a schizophrenic dad. They also starred in a 2011 short film called Foreskin Intervention. Oh. They also starred in two episodes of Dog with a Blog. <laughs> oh, Great. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't know. Mona. Yes. <laughs> you yeah! have two points. Nice. Okay. This third and final person, which will win the game for you, this actor or actress, won three consecutive Academy Awards for Best Visual Effects for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. What? Mm-hmm. Uh. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm just going to say The Piano Man. No, it was uh, Randall William Cook who played the Mad Men and also did the effects for the film. 
Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. People in this movie went on to win Oscars. That's that... the power of the slashers. That's kind of sad. The more you know. Well, the more I know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the end of our game. I hope you all learned something about the human centipede and dog with a blog. I know I did. <laughs> and please don't look down on slashers because we win awards. And our final game for the evening is one of my favorite games ever, and it's Boff, Mary Kill, where I'm sure you've all played it before. And for your edification for this game, I'm going to post pictures of these characters on our Facebook page, which is Scream 101 on Facebook that I'm going to create after we post this. I'm going to create. Yeah, Shannon will create it. Never mind. It'll be... You'll find out. It'll be great. Or on our Tumblr, which I did create. Oh, yeah. That'll be fantastic. This is still our pilot episode, you guys, which Shannon doesn't want me to mention. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, there's going to be two rounds. Both of us decide. One of them's all female. One of them's all male. So, would you buff, marry, kill Virginia, Mona, and Colette, the actress? Um, hmm. Okay, wait. Can we define what buff... Is buff... What Boff I think is it is. Sex. Okay, Boff is sex. <laughs> okay, um, okay. So I, I would marry Mona because I would want her joyfulness in my life uh -huh. forever. Um, I would, I would kill Virginia because I don't care about her, Aww. and I would Boff Colette just because I don't know anything about her, and hopefully I can one and done and get it over with. Okay, that's fair. I would marry Mona obviously because she deserves it, mm -hmm. and we could have very colorful children. I would buff Virginia because she is luminously beautiful and intelligent, and I guess that matters. <laughs> and I would kill Colette because she, like, doesn't even have lines that aren't from Othello, so why is she important? Okay, and then buff, marry, kill, Detective Richard, the madman, and the piano guy. Ooh. Okay, um, I... I would marry Richard because he's cute and from Ohio, and, uh... <laughs> is he from Ohio? Yeah, remember? She wanted... Oh, yeah! Yeah, he wanted to take her home to meet his parents in Ohio. Yeah. He's, like, the most, like, like American... Stable, American cheese human. All right. Um, so I'd marry him. I would kill the mad madman, obviously. And then okay. I would, uh, you know, do the piano man, because he's good with his hands. Ooh. All right. This is actually a tough question. Um, I w okay, I would boff Richard because I'm so attracted to Clayton Runner. And there's a sex scene in the beginning of this movie that's just, like, super steamy. Yeah, and, it's pretty good. Yeah, I'm actually really impressed with the film because there is no female exploitation in this film at all. There's no boobs. But they have this super close-up shot of her unzipping his pants and, like, showing his, like, treasure trail and, like pulling open his collar and it's really steamy and it's it's very interesting she stroked his werewolf chest like, oh my god like she stroked her werewolf pillow yes i mean it's basically everything i was imagining while right. watching april fool's day but come <laughs> to life great uh so i would bop him i would marry a piano guy because he's everything i've ever wanted in a human being and i would kill the madman i don't know why i put him on there in the first place because he's the worst and that's the end of our game round. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed me winning the game. Actually, Shannon did super good yeah, at did. the divination game. And I'm really <laughs> proud of her. 
And we're going to move on to our closing statements. Okay, so while I am relatively new to horror, way more new than Brennan, Brennan is, and I don't voluntarily watch horror unless with Brennan, I do very much like gore. And so when I recommend uh, movies to other people, it will probably be because it has better gore effects than the movie that we just watched. So if you're looking for something that has better facial mutilation than, than I, Madman, then you can look no further than um, the remake of Evil Dead. Brennan? No, that, that is a good one. That is some... Ooh, that, is, that has some moments. Mm-hmm. And um, just for the record, at the very end of every episode, we're going to be recommending films to you guys. Obviously, we're usually not going to be on the exact same page. Like, we both enjoyed this film, but on different levels. Yeah. So, if you agreed with Shannon, you can check out The Evil Dead. Or if you agreed with me, like, if you watch I'm Mad Men, if you prefer the cerebral things, you can check out my recommendations, which are as follows. First of all, um, if you prefer the more cerebral mixing reality with fiction, like, what's really true, I highly recommend, and this is so obvious, but A Nightmare on Elm Street the 1984 slasher film by Wes Craven, and also his 10 years later follow-up, which is the sixth sequel to that film, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, in which Freddy Krueger breaks into reality, which is one of the best sequels that has ever existed and is a precursor to Scream in terms of being a postmodern metacognitive slasher. And also in terms of an urban gothic type horror film where a victim is kind of sexually drawn into like becoming a victim of a horror villain look no further than Bernard Rose's Candyman which came out in 1993 I believe um, is based on a Clive Barker short story and it is set in the Cabrini Green um, projects which are the most dangerous failed housing projects in Chicago and it's just utterly horrifying and beautiful and fantastic, and you should check it out. And if you would like to contact us, Shannon will tell you where to go. <laughs> if you want to contact us, we do have uh, a, a Gmail, so an email. Uh, it is scream101podcast at gmail.com. You can contact, contact us there, especially with movie recommendations, um, the weirdest things you can possibly think of. I bet you anything, Brennan has probably already watched it. Uh, but if you want to force me to watch something with him, uh-huh. and it's absolutely horrible, then you can shoot it, shoot it that way. Uh, we also have a Tumblr, but we're setting up the rest of our social media, so we will give you a further update with our next episode. Absolutely. Speaking of our next episode, here is the clue. The clue for our next episode is the following riddle. If you drop a vowel and add a planet, you will find the film that we will be covering. Next time on Scream 101, I'm Brennan Klein. And I'm Shannon Chalakian. See you next time. Bye. By the way, we'll be playing you out on Chanson d'Amour by Art and Dottie Todd from the I Madman soundtrack.
Chanson, chanson, d'amour. 